Welcome to the Palmetto Street Church of God message podcast. We pray that you are inspired by today's message, and we hope that you share and subscribe to this podcast so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth and reach many people in our world today. Enjoy the message. Haggai chapter 2, please, beginning in verse 3. Verse 3, first service was just, it was fire in the first service, it really was. Who is left among you? Second sermon, two out of four that Haggai would bring to the people. People that came out of Babylonian exile back in Jerusalem. 50,000 in number. And God instructed them to build the temple. The Old Testament, the temple is where the presence of the Lord dwelt. New Testament, Jesus is the temple. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You understand that? Revelation says there's no need for a temple because Christ, the Lamb, is the temple. Amen. Who is left among you that saw the temple in its former glory? Three questions. How do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not your eyes as nothing? He's saying, as looking at the old, now looking at the new, it's nothing in comparison. Yet now, somebody say yet now. Verse four changes your mindset. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak. The high priest and be strong, all the people of the land. Threes will run out through this chapter. You'll see three questions, three commands, three prophecies, three groups of people all throughout this chapter. He says, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains. Somebody say remains. After 24 years, it still remains in my life. It's as good today. In fact, it's better than it was 24 years ago. I know him more, and he has been good to me. Praise be to the Lamb of God. Do not fear. I come to preach 28 minutes. Why are y'all laughing? 28 minutes. To encourage some people that God started a work in your life, but it's become too heavy. Your job, your career, your children, your, your spouse, your faith is just too heavy. And anxiety is eating you up. And you say, Pastor, it's easy to do nothing and go hide in the corner than move forward. I've got a word for you today. God loves you too much for you to sit on the sideline. It's time for you to be about the Father's business. I come to encourage you. Last week was a strong rebuke to God's people. This week I come to encourage you. Heavenly Father, let the word go forth in Jesus' name. And Father, with all that's been done, we will give you praise. And everybody said, you may be seated. Priorities of the kingdom. The statement that came from the second service that I thought was profound last week, which wasn't mine, was that we are living in luxury, but the house of God is in ruins. We cannot show our children that it's okay for us to fill up our desires while the house of God lays in waste. Today, I want to pick up right from that first sermon and move into sermon number two. In the book of Haggai, God uses the prophet to bring a word to his people. First, we understand that they started building the house of God when they came back out of Babylonian exile. And then they got discouraged, and for 14 years, nothing was there but the foundation. 
For 14 years, the place where God's presence would come was now desolate. It was halfway built. The word of God said it was in ruins. For 14 years, they built their house. For 14 years, they were satisfied, so they fought with building their own thing while showing their community that it's okay to live, leave God's house in ruins. God sent a word through Haggai. Haggai said, O ye that dwell in sealed houses, but my house lies in waste. He said, you work, but you have nothing. You eat, but you're not full. You drink, but you're still thirsty. And like Brother John Moore, who has a lot of money, you put all your money in bags, but you find out there's a hole in your bag. I come to let you know I did that because I'm not going to let you be satisfied without my presence and without doing my will and having me in your life. That's the good grace of God. That's not Satan. God said, I did that. And so the word came to them, and they repented, and they went back to work for God. How many of you know it's a good thing to go back to work for God? Amen? But once you start work for God, or you allow God to start work on you, there's going to be a new enemy that comes in your life. Many times, it's external. It's the opposition, satanic oppression, an ungodly world. They will come against you so that you don't progress in God. But the greatest enemy I've ever faced has never been satanic oppression. The greatest enemy is in me. It's this flesh. It's my desires, my own mindset, what I allow, what I, what I do or what I don't do, and that becomes habits, and habits become norm, and norm becomes what we do, and the next thing you know, it's been 14 years since we've done anything for God. You start out saying, I'm not going to go that far. Next thing you know, you lose your marriage. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? So when that happened, though, the people of God responded, and they started to work. For 21 days, three weeks, they went to work for God. But all of a sudden, they realized this is not as easy as it once was. This is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to re rebuild back what was torn down. It's going to be tough to see what we once saw before. They begin to realize not only is it going to be tough, it's going to be almost impossible. So they thought to themselves and said, it's not worth it. We'll just quit because this is too hard. I come to preach to somebody today who you think is too difficult to allow God to go to work in your life. I come to preach to somebody who God started a good work in you, but changing and transformation was too difficult because you had to give up something. You had to tell somebody goodbye. Is anybody listening today? You had to start some new habits. It was hard coming to church because you used to sleep to 1250 on Sunday because you got drunk the night before and you had to get up and watch the Carolina Panthers. And now you're coming to church and you realize that this thing's going to be difficult than what I thought because back then I just tell you all, now I got to pray. Back then I cuss you out. Now I got to bless you out. You hear me? I started working on this thing and Jeremiah said it's like clay on the potter's wheel and I thought it was going to be easy because I felt the chill bump. I heard preacher Neil preach and Brother Russell was singing. It felt so good. But then I got out there in the world and I thought, this is going to be tough. I can't sell what I used to sell. I got to get a job now. I can't do what I used to do. It's going to be tough now. I can't go where I used to go. I've been lying to the boys for three weeks because 
God's been building something in me, but, but lines us in too, lady, praise God. And you thought, I didn't think it would be this difficult to do what God was asking me to do. So through discouragement, depression, anxiety, I find myself saying, it's not worth it. I'll just go back like Simon said, and I'll go back to my old lifestyle. But I'm going to say to you one more time, as I said to you last week, God is committed to you from Genesis to Revelation. God is committed to your freedom and see you been set free. God is not committed to your wallet. God is not committed to your religion. God is not committed to your culture. But God is committed to your freedom because freedom is not in an announcement Freedom is not in a government. Freedom is in a kingdom. And the priority of that kingdom is Jesus Christ, the Son of God that sets us free. Ah, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Three weeks out of nowhere. Watch for those devils that come out of nowhere. Look to your neighbor and say, nowhere. I, I, I can handle the ones that I can see coming. It's the ones that come out of nowhere. Three weeks they started working and now they realize this is going to be tough. It'll never happen. Let's quit and go back. Out of nowhere, an attack of the enemy. The attack came to stop three things. Their progress came to stop their transformation and came to stop their growth because God is about your process. That's good. From the Lord, I got saved. Now I'm going to preach. I'm going to pastor. So you can sit down. Hold on, chipmunk. Hold on now. Hold on. This, this thing took 24 years. It really was more than 24 years. My mama was praying for me long before I thought I had a calling. My mama was praying over me. So don't think you got saved three weeks ago. Now you can run the holy things of God. You're not even truly sanctified yet. You're still on the wheel. It's a process. But don't give up in the process. Don't, don't say I'm not like Brother Starlin yet. No, he's been walking for a few years there. Hold on to the process. It is a process. But don't let discouragement stop the process because if discouragement stops the process, it will not complete the transformation. And if it doesn't complete the transformation, not in salvation, but through sanctification, then it will stop your growth. And God did not save you for you to be stunted. God saved you to be transformed completely. It's Hebrews 6 saying that you were a child at one time and you were cute with a bottle in your mouth. But now you're 34 and we've got to take the pacifier out of your mouth because at 2 she, it was cute but at 32 it's silly huh, is anybody listening today walking around in pampers was cute at 2 but we can't let you do it at 32, 52 or 82 can somebody say amen I, I, I didn't preach this part in the first service, so it's for somebody here. And what happened was the attack came quickly. But the attack was not external. The attack was internal. The internal attack said you can't do it and you need to stop on God. They grew weary. But the sad part is they grew weary after three weeks. Three weeks. For 14 years, they did nothing. And for three weeks, they said, no, that's too much. I didn't know I had to come to church once a week. Once a week. When I got saved, we had to come seven days a week. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking about. We had a Sunday morning service, afternoon prayer meeting, Sunday night service, then Quincy's butter, biscuit, croissant, which, yeast roll revival. All sanctified people in the Quincy's after all Pentecostals at least. Then Monday was prayer meeting. Tuesday, the teenagers had pray and play. Wednesday night was fellowship hour. Thursday night was setting up Sunday service. Friday was we had to get together because we didn't want to go back to sin. And Saturday night, we just prayed while we were sleeping. 
Y'all from a new church, y'all don't know. And now some of y'all get upset because we ask you four times a week to come to church. Four times, preacher. Don't you know I got to go to the beach five times and six times and seven times? You've been there all summer. Can you at least give it one Sunday a month? (laughs) Oh, so they got discouraged. Let's move on quickly. And the next thing you know, Haggai comes with a word to encourage them to give them hope, and to give them a future. God is not committed to your demise or trying to put you down. God is trying to elevate you this morning. This preached word is not to put you down, to leave you disheartened. This word is meant to encourage you, to lift you up, that not only does God want you to go to work, he wants you to finish that work because God has a purpose for your life. And not only can we not show our children that it's okay to worship in ruins, we cannot show our grandchildren that it's okay to Start and quit on God. I didn't start to quit. I'm going to finish this thing because God is not finished with me. So I come to tell somebody, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to come to church sometimes. But we've got the air conditioner right for you. We've got the sound better now for your ear. The preacher looks halfway decent. You understand what we're saying. we even got people to greet you as you walk in the door. But honey child, I can't make you dedicated. And I can't call you to be committed. That's up to you. And I can't live with you every day saying, get up now, baby. It's time to get up. That person hurt your feelings when they told you that your hair didn't look good. But you shouldn't quit church after that. You should be a big boy. You should be a big girl. I know you haven't been to church in eight months and you upset because you didn't go on the council, but they've not seen you in eight months. So can you start back today? Why? Because God has a work for you. God has a call for you. God has a purpose for you. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ and let God do something amazing in your life. Andy, don't leave me. I need somebody to amen amen me this morning. Amen? Amen. Point number one. First of all, God comes with three things. First, he comes with three questions. He said the second word came back to them, and he says, I got three things I want to ask you. Remember when God asked a question. When Jesus would ask a question, it's not that he didn't know the answer. It's like when I asked Aiden a question. Aiden, where are you at right now? Uh, David? Uh, I'm in a church parking lot picking up trash. Nope. Life 360 says you're at Sonic, and I told you don't be riding around with that girl. <laughs> I already had the answer, and that's what God was doing here. He had answers. He asked three questions. Are you with me? He said, first of all, he says, your excitement is gone, but I want you to ask yourselves, who is left from the former house and saw the former glory. It's been almost 66 years, and now there are only a few left that saw the splendor of Solomon's temple. Now they're building this temple with Zeruel, and there they begin to ask, ask who saw it. That is the power of our older saints. Listen to me, older saints. I know you have your own personal conviction. I support you on that. But these kids don't care about personal conviction. And sometimes what we call personal conviction was nothing but man-made stuff too now, right? Because it's changed over the years. Like, you couldn't chew gum if you were saved. You, can't drink, you couldn't drink Coca-Cola back in some places if you were saved, right? <laughs> but they would drink a little wine for the stomach's sake. And I asked one of them one time, I said, when are you ever going to be healed from that flu? They said, what do you mean? I said, 
You've been sipping on that little wine for the stomach's sake now for five years. Mm-hmm. Who is left of the former house? The power of the older saints is this. When you tell us your testimony, when you tell us about the glory of God that came down when you didn't have all the luxuries that we have now. I know the story, Pastor Nolan, we used to worship in sawdust. You did. Pastor Nolan, first, when I pastored Walhalla, the first church of God, Pentecostal Church in South Carolina, there are testimony after testimony of healing and deliverance because they didn't have doctors. Testimony after testimony. That's the story that needs to be told. Not the fact of, well, we didn't worship like you worship, or we don't wear what you wore. Older saints, we need you, but I need you to tell me about the glory. Don't tell me about the feeling. Don't tell me about what somebody said was right, then we found out it wasn't right, or it was right, or it might be right here and not be right there. No, tell me about the glory. Tell me about when God would come down and sinner would be saved. Tell me about the power of God would come down and people would be healed. Tell me about when the glory would come down and people would be transformed right before our eyes. Tell me about the fire. Tell me about the fire of the church I pastored up there in the mountains when they used to tell about how the Holy Ghost would hit them. And I'm not saying we got to do this now. We don't even have this now. But how they would have the fire, the little stove in there, and they would dance all around it how the drunkard would come in and be saved, sanctified and filled, and then they would touch even the stove. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just telling you their testimony and how the glory would come down and they would not be burned and it would be a testimony throughout the community that something is going on in that house. Tell us the glory too. The question was, how do you see it now? They were saying, there's no gold. There's no silver. There's no furniture of the temple. How are we going to do what this It's called to do if we don't have the resources and if we don't have the furniture and if it's inferior. So they say to themselves, it's not worth it. I want to ask you something today. Is what we're doing here this morning worth it? Because of Jesus, we have been transformed. Now we tell our community what we do here matters. And when you think it doesn't matter, look at your children and your grandchildren. Look at the person on the street. Look at the person, it's your neighbor that needs the call of God on their life. They begin to ask themselves, is it worth it? And through discouragement, they quit after three weeks. Three weeks. They said to themselves, it's not worth it. Three, three questions. A third, they said, it must seem like nothing. He asked them, why? You got to understand your why. If you don't understand your why, then you don't know why you come to church. Why do we come to church? Because pastor says, what are we supposed to do? My mama makes me. My wife makes me. No. We come to church because we come to worship our creator. We come to build community. We come to lift up praise and come to give together, come to worship together, and then we leave separate and we take this everywhere we go, burning fiery trails all throughout the PD region. In the weight room, on the football field, in the factory, in the schoolhouse, at the hospital, and we share it with everybody. But if you you forget your why, you'll stop letting God work on you. 
They didn't understand their why. Never let go of your why. My why is because I'm leaving something to my children's children's children about the power of God. My why is I can't let them get tied up with ungodly people. My why is there's people dying all around us and they leave a church that's not afraid to preach the whole gospel rightly divided. My why is I can't do it without Jesus Christ and his presence. My why is there's got to be a church left in this community that would declare God and not a preacher that's a puppet who's being bowed out by the hands of man. That's my why. Two, two. Look to your neighbor and say he's halfway over. Tell him he's halfway over. Two, 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 two. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Three commands. Three questions. Now three commands. Verse four, verse four, verse four. If you pull that up for me, Matt, please. Verse four said, but now, yet now. Oh, if those two words weren't there, we could close shop right now and go home. He said, but yet now. That means God has another word for his people. Anytime you're so depressed, I want you to write this on your hand if you have to. I want you to put, but yet now. But yet God still loves me and he died for me. Yet now, while I'm in depression, I know God is looking out for me and he's not left me. Yet now his hand is not short. Yet now his eye still sees me. Yet now God has a word for me yet now. Yet now in the hospital, even though the doctor says it doesn't look good, I serve an all-powerful, all-merciful, all-loving God, even yet now. Yet now my child says they don't believe in God, but yet now I know a God that arrested me. (laughs) And if God can arrest me, God knows how to arrest them yet now. Yet now my neighbor doesn't like me, but yet now he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week. Oh, look at them old Baptist Pentecostal people right there. You know it. They didn't have all the luxuries of power ministry. That's them dirt road, back street, cross the tracks Christians right there. He's still working on me yet now. Yet now I'm not where I want to be because I'm still struggling with an addiction. But he that's begun a good work in me is able to complete it against that very day yet now. Yet now I'm not sanctified fully, but hold on, child. I've only been saved six weeks. Yet now, yet now the Holy Ghost is calling me to deeper water and deeper water and deeper water. Yet now, yet now I've got a call of God. I don't understand it. I don't know where it's at. I don't know how I'm going to get to it. But yet now, I know this. If he can bring me out of that, he can lead me to this. Yet now. Yet now, yet now. He said, three commands. He said, first of all, verse four and five, be strong. Look to your neighbor and say, be strong. That means to take courage. He understands that they have been delayed. They've been denied. And there is uh, dissent among them. First of all, I believe it was pessimism. There were those type people that are always around you. That no matter what happens, they tell you, we tried that. It ain't going to work. I know you're trying to build a church for all people in Florence. It's not going to work. You can't get Republicans and Democrats together. Why not? We get tigers and gangplots together. (laughs) Tigers and knights. There's always a Georgia fan. There's always... It's better than Alabama, though, praise God. Hallelujah. Ain't no. I already see it now. 
Anna's going to be texting me. You leave Alabama alone. I'm going to tell you that right now. He says, there's always people that are going to say that we can't do it. But don't let those people stop us. Be like Nehemiah and keep working. Unrealistic expectations. We should be further along now. The temple's not going to look like it did because we don't have the money nor the resources. You don't understand. It's not even about the temple. It's about the foreshadowing of the temple that will come in the book of Matthew. So you've got to build this. And so don't compare yourself to other people. If there's a church greater than us in number or value in your mind, so be it. We don't have to tear them down to build us up. And if there's a church smaller than us, we don't have to step on them to build us up either. I'm not comparing myself to them, and I'm not comparing myself to them. I just got to walk my walk. Give God praise if you believe that, please. Amen. Not only unrealistic expectations, but comparison as well. He says, I want you to be strong. I come to tell somebody who's discouraged today, be strong. Secondly, not only do I want you to be strong, I want you to go to work. He says, go to work. Pastor Dolan, shouldn't he have gave them an excuse? Nope. Jesus took away the excuse. No excuses. He says, I want you to go to work. Chapter one, he said, consider your words. Consider your words. Consider your words. No, he didn't. He said, consider your ways. Consider your ways, consider your ways. Bad attitudes lead to bad actions. It's time to do away with the Eeyore spirit in the house of God. For those of you who don't know who Eeyore is, that's back when cartoons were really good. You understand what I'm saying? Back before they were ugly. You understand? It's time to do away with that Eeyore spirit that says, we can't do it. I'm tired of the 10 telling the two what God said and what he didn't say. We can't take this mountain, but God said we can take it. But I don't think we can take it. The giants are too big. God said they will fall. And by the way, they're eating our grapes. And I'm tired of eating this junk we've been eating. I'm ready to eat some grapes, baby. So you 10 can stay back here, but I'm tired of you pulling me back. Bad attitudes lead to bad actions. God said, you've only been working 21 days. I want you to get back up. I want you to be strong and I want you to go back to work. No excuses. It's time for God's people to go to work. Work on ourselves, work on our lives, work on our churches, work on our attitudes, work on our actions. Brother, I love you and I I love God, but I, I just don't think I have to do anything. Wow, so you're the one that's been babied all your life. Oh, it's you. I'm not your mama. You're hindering yourself. Well, I'll just pay you to do it. Well, you better step up then, sister. You understand? Because it can't be bought. And if you're truly saved and you want more of God, when he asks you to serve, you don't say, Oh, that's below me. I don't have time for that. I can't do that. No, you go get a a, a bucket, you get some water, and you grab a towel, and you say, God, if you can use anybody, then you can use me. Said what I said. I'm not going to stand before God for letting people not fulfill their call of God. 
It's time for us to get it together. Wrong attitude leads to wrong actions and wrong motivation. When you forget your why, you let depression become burnout. This is not putting down people who deal with depression and anxiety. This is about us who don't believe that God can do it through us. It is time for the house of God to realize we've got to get to work. And when you remember your why, you'll go to work. I bet most of you don't like to go to work. But you, when you remember, I've got clothes to buy. I've got food to put on the table. I've got things to do. You get up and you go to work. I've come to tell you, open up your spiritual eyes. You've got much more than put food on the table. You've got to put a spiritual diet in front of your children that they know that there is a God in heaven and that God is able to give them an abundant life. And we've got to live it before them, work before them, get along with each other, serve the kingdom and show them what church really looks like. Can somebody say amen? I'm almost done. Like Joshua and Caleb, it's one thing to see it and say it. It's another thing to take it. Third, here's the last command. He said, fear not. Look to your neighbor and say, don't fear. John Mark, back when I was in high school, about 93. You remember 93? Yeah, you were already in your 30s at 93, praise God. We used to have these shirts that said, no fear. Anybody remember the no fear shirts? Oh, yeah, I got a few, got a few 40 years old here. You were cool if you had that shirt. They'd come up with any old saying, and it would have no fear on it. No matter what it was, no fear. I can remind somebody, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Get up in Jesus' name. Brother Nola, it's not going to look like it used to. It's not supposed to. It's not the brick and mortar that God was concerned with. It was the attitude and actions of his people to realize that God was 2,000, 3,000 years ahead of them and they just needed to get up about the Father's business. I come to let you know today, he said, do not fear. Watch this. He said, according to the word, I covenant with you. When God makes a covenant with you, he doesn't divorce you from it. When God makes a covenant, it is ever standing. He said, my spirit will remain with you. I am with you. Go to work. Oh, when you start loving that unlovable person on your neighborhood, the one that drives by your house at 88 miles per hour, even though there's a speed bump, and they hit that speed bump and jump over your neighbor's house, and you want to pull them out of the car and pray for them with a laying on of hands in Jesus' name. <laughs> Have no fear. Spirit of the Lord is with you. He said, I am with you. When you want to come back to church after you sin and your sin is public, while everybody else's sin was private, and you're embarrassed, I want you to realize you didn't come for them, you come for Jesus. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So you don't have no fear, you get up in Jesus' name and you come on. And you have no fear and you go to work. Because some of the ones that are looking down on you, they can't work because they're looking down on you. But one day they'll have to look up to you and then they'll get mad with me and they'll remind me of what you did because they've lost their place in the church. But I'm not that pastor. Then I will remind them that even though they not sin in the flesh, they sin with their attitude. And the church people of Palmetto Street forgave a person who confessed their sin. But for those who hold on to it with a bad attitude, it's hard to work with those people. It is what it is. It is what it is. So what do you want me to do about it? I'm not the reason your dog don't want to come home to you anymore. Right? He said, do 
not fear, for I am with you. Isaiah 41 10 said, Do not fear, I am with you, neither do be dismayed. I like Joshua 5 and 7. He said, Today I will make you a great leader in the eyes of these people. And he said, I want you to remember that I am with you. Jeremiah, the first chapter, he said, They will fight against you, but do not fear, for I am with you. Matthew 28 says, I send you in all the world to preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I want you to remember. Remember this, that I am with you even to the end of this very age. I come and tell somebody, go back to work. Why? Because God is with you. You might have to watch some tears. Brother Nolan, I lost some people along the way. But I got to go back to work. On me. I got to go back to work so I can work in the church. I got to go back to work because God wants to use me in the choir. Pastor, I'm the best singer in the church. Hallelujah. So why are you not in the choir? Oh, oh, don't be that person now. Pastor, no, I said I'm the best singer. So you've got to give me the mic first. Oh, that's how this works. (laughs) Why do you get so quiet? I'm I'm talking about the church down the road. (laughs) This is not American Idol. This is not The Voice. You sing good, but are you anointed? He thought this was a karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. He says, fear not, for I am with you. He says, I have a standing promise. I made you a covenant, now go to work. Brother Neil, the house is not going to look like it used to. No, it's not. It's not Solomon's house. But remember what made a house was not the gold. What made the house is the one that made the gold. What made the house was the presence of the Lord. He said, I am with you. The New Testament is no longer the gold. We can worship in this great sanctuary, but we can go down to Harris Teeter, Food Line, we can get beside the produce, see a brand new church member, they walk up and say, I got saved at your church three weeks ago. Did you? Tell me about it. Oh, that big old preacher started preaching. That started singing. I gave my life to Christ. Guess what? I think God's calling me to do, do more. Somebody's with me saying, oh, that's our church. Yes, that's our church. And somebody else that was over there scanning, they realized, hey, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Somebody said, they go to a church where people don't sleep. What? Let me find out about that church. What? You mean you don't sleep at your church? That's the best sleep I get all week long at my church. No, they don't sleep in that church. They, they shout sometimes. They, they cry sometimes. They get emotional. And every once in a while, a few of them, they'll, they'll dance up on stage. They dance in that church. Yeah, they dance in that church. You mean like club dancing? No, 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 no. Not club dancing. Holy Ghost dancing. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost dancing. There's a difference. There's a difference. Club dancing, you dancing to be seen, to be called. Church dancing, you dancing to be seen, to be called. He said, lastly, stand with me all of us. He said, I give you three promises. Stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. He said, I give you three promises real quick. He says, he says, and listen, be careful. There's prophetic people that do it to be seen. This prophecy was to let you know that God was in your tomorrow. He says, I want you to know this. Don't worry about what you think it should look like. Because one day I'm going to shake the heavens. And I'm going to shake the earth. Can I tell you what happened one day? He says, and people then will not look at the temple 
as all the splendor. Can I remind you that one day Jesus came, wrapped himself up in the womb of a little virgin girl, tabernacled among us, and then at the ripe age, he walked in right before his teenage years, walked into a temple, and he opened up the book and said, today in your ears, prophecy has been fulfilled. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because one greater stepped into the temple that now is, and his name is Jesus Christ. It wasn't about brick and mortar. It was about allowing God to step back into the situation. We need his presence back in our church. Watch this. And then he said, he said this, when he steps in, he said the latter glory is going to be greater than the former glory. Did you get that? That means like Paul said. Paul said that we grow from glory to glory to glory. He said Moses had so much glory that his face shined when he came out of the presence of the Lord that they had to cover his face or it would have caused the people to go blind. God said in you is greater glory than on Moses' face. Pastor, nobody goes blind when they look at me. Are you kidding me? The day I got saved, their heads did this. What? I bet he'll have a party this weekend. I bet he'll throw a party this weekend. I bet he'll go back to that drug this weekend. Their eyes shifted over. Why? Because there was a greater glory. And then a few people said it won't last. He'll be back doing what he did before. 24 years later, the glory. <laughs> the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. My God, it's greater. It's greater, Russell. It's greater, Pastor. It's greater. It's greater. Ah, I'm not perfect. I'm not where I want to be, but the glory is greater. I serve a God that wakes me up in the morning, that walks with me along the way, and says, look at my creation. Look what I'm doing in your life. He's God, and he's full of glory. Lastly, he said, not only will the glory be greater, he said, but then I'll give you Oh, I'm talking about the Prince of Peace. Revelation said, there will be no need for a new building because Jesus Christ is the temple and he is the sacrificial lamb. I come to let somebody know, get up. I know you're discouraged, get up. Encourage yourself right now. Get up in Jesus' name and get back to work. We've got a church to build. We got a region to take, and we got a globe to reach for the glory of God. I, I, I want you to hear me. I want you. I, I, I felt it. I will tell you one more time. We are a regional church with a global reach. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't come to pastor a street. I come to pastor a region. I come to wake up Timmonsville. I come to wake up Dillon. I come to wake up Lada. I come to wake up Society Hill and Bensville. I come to pastor a region. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to follow us on our social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, visit us at pscog.org. Stay safe and have an incredible day in Jesus' name.